Good morning. Uh, my name is Rick Bonfim, and uh, we're located in Georgia. And uh, this morning, I want to tell you about uh, the office of a prophet. Now, when you hear the word prophet, you think about uh, Elijah and Jeremiah and Isaiah. And most of all, John the Baptist. But the, the word prophet in the New Testament is more associated with the common person. It's not something that is seen as a separate, specific, one-of-a-kind office. It's supposed to be spread out throughout the church because... The manner in which prophecy is interpreted in the New Testament is foretelling, speaking forward, saying it, confessing, believing, witnessing. That is why uh, uh, Revelation 19.10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if you do a testimony of Jesus, if you uh, preach the Word of God, if you are... Read the Scriptures. If you uh, are a person that goes to church every Sunday carrying your Bible and studying and, and, and being involved with it and, uh, and have been blessed by God, have an experience with the Lord, and you, you can operate in that place. Much different, isn't it? Because if you see the New Testament as Isaiah, Jeremiah, we don't have those anymore. But there are people within the life of the church that uh, call forth, speak forth, believe, and encourage. And, uh, and so, this week, we dealt with the word prophesying, which, he, which is mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. The last three of the vocal gifts, as I call them. Prophesying. Now, prophesying is edifying, building, and comforting. So what is it in, in the next step? What is the next step of a Christian that wants to develop and be a servant and minister in these areas? Well, the next step is the spirit of prophecy, which is given freely and moves freely and actually blesses the people. And then, of course, the office of the prophet. Now, the office of the prophet is, according to Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, he calls some to be teachers, pastors, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. So, you see, there is a actually... Uh, um, I'm So the office of a prophet, according to Paul, fits identical to a pastor, to a teacher, to an evangelist, to an evangelist, noticed, uh, and, and to a prophet, 
and then to an apostle. Notice that all of these five areas is directly related with sharing the gospel with others, discipling others, caring for others. There's a moving forward in a place to where you can assume your place in the life of the kingdom. Look again. Those who teach, teach that is true, teach others. Those that uh, pastor, care for the sheep, minister to them, visit in the hospital, preach in the morning. The evangelist comes in and builds upon the life of the pastor. And then you have the, the prophet. Now, the prophet here is a place that undergirds all others. It's not an individual thing that stands by itself. It's part of a movement uh, together in the life of the church. It's a different way to see it. Because, see, Jeremiah lived in the hole all his life. He didn't associate himself, even when they were at, uh, uh, in captivity. He was just an individual separated. Uh, and Isaiah was totally separated. But in the New Testament, you are a part of the structure of leadership. You're not a separate. You don't see a, a, a prophet today hiding in Marietta, Georgia, and showing up every six months. No, it's someone that actually is deeply involved in the life of the church. So I called uh, uh, and shared with you several things, uh, and I, I'll read it real quick because I have to catch up with what I have to do today. It's not uh, made, trained to be. It's call of God. You do not feel the desire to be a prophet. You actually have no choice. The gift of the Spirit speaks the oracles of God and not what you have in mind. Uh, the prophet provides revelation, guidance, judgment, rebuke. And so the office is called is a call of God. Uh, the office, the prophet is a custodian of the words of God. And so... And, and, and forth. And so next, I shared with you yesterday on the accuracy, how to be accurate in the last session of 30 minutes. Uh, and one of the things to be accurate, the number seven of those, because I already covered this area uh, uh, as I began to share with you this week. Uh, and... Uh, Here's the, I call them roadblocks, not to have fear of man. Fear of man brings a snare. Rejection, number two, a fear of rejection. And, of course, I wrote a book on that. The third is, uh, be based on personal opinion. What do you think? It's not what you think is a revelation from God. And then uh, bitterness, harshness in your life, that when you say it, you come judgmental about things, and then a human compassion. And, of course, what I meant by judgmental is that it shows poor judgment. When you hear from the Lord, there's a spirit of tenderness. There's a sweetness about your, uh, your uh, response to the need. There's a personal ministry edify and create an environment that brings an anointing. Not anymore. That harshness 
that you see in the Old Testament. The New Testament has more kindness, more tenderness. And I remember being in a church preaching a revival in Louisiana. And they were not listening to me. Uh, and a man spoke. I remember going to Alabama this last week, last month, uh, at a church in Killen, Alabama. And a man during the morning service got up and said tender words toward me in the pulpit. Sweet words. And of course, uh, I know he wasn't received. But that's the spirit of prophecy. The next uh, uh, roadblock is lust. Now, lust here is engaged into self-absorbed desire for a position, an object, a person, an event, a situation. You seem to be absorbed by, by lust, that you desire to do that the way you think. You are talking about... Uh, the office of a prophet should not have prestige. I should not even call myself a prophet. James 1.14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's James 1.14. And so, lust, it is a... Uh, uh, problem with the prophetic place because you do it for personal reasons. A healthy prophet needs to be taught in an environment that is protected from religious spirits. Usually when you have these type of teachings, uh, it's more on an individual basis, more in a, uh, a, a forum that allows the teaching to be understood in the context of a need. You don't just teach overall uh, as if somehow you're shooting the stars, all of them, but specifically you go to here and you go to there and you uh, 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 build the spirit of prophecy in the life of a person. How many times, how many days, how many months I have dealt with people individually. God never... Let me do this in an open forum. This actually is the first time that I ever teach in 50 years of ministry in an open forum on this subject. That's the first time. But it comes a time to where you got to do it. Now, why did I do it before? Because God didn't point to me, didn't reveal to me, didn't show me. Now, when I set for this session that is now in the second week, I saw something. And he started with Revelation 19.10 because the daughters of Philip were prophesying. And, and, of course, that is open to the whole church. So prophesying is to edify and build and comfort it. The spirit of prophecy is, is related to the Christian, and it comes and goes. It shows itself. In, in, in other words, it's common to anyone who calls himself a Christian. The step of the spirit of prophecy is much higher than prophesying. You, you can work in the kitchen, but when you begin to call forth into being, when you begin to speak boldly, when you begin to say things in your life, when you begin to feel the presence of God, and you know that you're in the right place. So all of that is going to be seen all over Brazil as we go into uh, the ministry there uh, this next week. I'm going to be speaking that into the lives of 25 people about an hour every single day.
Number nine, I'm talking about the roadblock. The main job of a prophetic voice is to live in the spirit of prophecy, supporting the ministry in which he's under. Because when you look at these five, you see that uh, the direction of the teacher, let me do this, the direction of the teacher moving into the pastor, and then the evangelist, and then the prophet, and then the apostle, you begin to think that these are progressive areas. You first have to be a teacher before you can be a pastor. Not really. Paul didn't intend that this direction would be understood as progressive. Because, you see, the spirit of prophecy can operate on a teacher. And he don't have to be a prophet. The spirit of prophecy can operate on a pastor. He don't have to be a prophet. The spirit of prophecy can operate on the evangelist. And he is not a prophet. So when you deal with the prophet, it simply says that it works within the text, within the, the makeup of the ministry that you're under. No problem with a, with, a, with a prophet being under the pastor. Matter of fact, if the pastor is the one who is leading the church, he will be responsible to see that the voice of reason, balance, and revelation be available in the life of the church. The problem is, is that if the church is seeking a budget and you are financially depleted, then the problem needs to be identified and dealt with God as a supplier and the provider. So when that happens, uh, that's your place to stand up and say, we've been looking for money, but in fact we need to hear from the Word of God. We need to hear what God is saying to us. We need to have a, what is it that when you have a mission statement, you know, a mission statement is, is, the, is the indication that your church, your ministry, has no prophetic voice. Because if the mission statement is the definition of all that you need to be, then God spoke one time and He never speaks to you again. So a mission statement is something of 1941 when, in fact, we didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. But today, if you want to really be a blessing to the kingdom of God, you simply do not live by the mission statement. You live by the prophetic voice of the men or woman of God who speak into the church. Listen, community is changing. Life is changing. The Supreme Court of the United States now is deeply involved into religious uh, and spiritual things. Since when? The Supreme Court should be mainly because all of these subjects, such as abortion, such as marriage, such as transgender or identity, it's all squeezing up to the Supreme Court. So you're going to see the Supreme Court making decisions. But let me tell you this. They're not prophetic. The prophetic is a little man about six feet tall. 75, 80 years old, somewhere in a little church somewhere who stands up Sunday morning and says, I must say to you what God has been telling me. And you'll be able to know the presence of God. And He comes in love and tenderness and gentleness, not in harsh attitude. 
follow. What is then preventing? Another thing that prevents roadblocks, roadblocks, what prevents is bias. Uh, make that uh, number 10, bias. What do you mean bias? Uh, leaders that are not called but chosen for another reason than to serve. And so you begin to ordain someone that is white because that that fits better. When there's a black man sitting in the congregation who has more to say than anybody else. Prejudice. If you look at television today uh, and you look at small channels like Channel 57 in Atlanta, you have a lot of people from Africa coming to America. God is sending them. And they have a powerful and anointed ministries all over the place. Well, they're not white. They're black. You see, God is not asking you permission to somehow have a white ministry. He is simply bringing people from Africa, and they are inundating, inundating television channels all over America. And every time I hear that, and I hear somebody like that, and tell it, I stop and listen. Because I believe that God is, is not a respecter of persons. And prejudice then uh, uh, is, 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 is a bias. God is no respecter. A group against another. A group that decides things as an inner circle because they are great providers in the financial area. You know, uh, I remember I was in my father's office. Oh, I was a boy, maybe eight, nine, ten years old. And a man came in in the office. Father had a, a participant. He was a pastor in a 25,000-member church. And he came in and gave a check to my father. To my father. And, of course, you know, I was right behind there, you know, on his shoulder right there looking. I saw a bunch of zeros. It was a million, whatever that was, a million. One million, whatever. And my father put his hand on the check and began to pray. Then he got the check and said, my brother, I want you to hold this check and take it back. I can't receive your money. And here's the reason. And he began, the man was just overwhelmed with that. I don't know if he came back or not, probably did. But I can tell you, my father told him to do something before he would accept his money. Today, in the life of our church, we don't really look to see who is giving and for what purpose they were giving. So, so one of the things that prevents the pastor from experiencing a prophetic revelation from God during the preaching is that he takes money without even observing who is giving it for what purpose. Amen? Am I, am, I, am I moving here? Are you hearing me today? Okay. Now, I want to begin very briefly. I know this is a 30-minute teaching uh, on the formation of a prophetic life. Because what I'm saying to you is that you can have the spirit of prophecy. You can prophesy. But when you open your door, your heart, for a, a word from the Lord in the life of others, it, it forms. So the objective of the prophecy in anybody's life is to share 
the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember Revelation 19, the witness or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It has to do with the testimony of Jesus. Because as you, as you begin to, to, to live, move in that area, power from heaven begins to come. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. Anybody can read that for me? Chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. And Samuel, uh, 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 Eli, was a Jewish priest, and uh, he blessed Samuel's mother. And he coached Samuel in his first prophecy. You know, Prophet Samuel. Go ahead, read John. Now there was a certain man of Ramathim, Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, the son of Ephrathite. Now, the reason why he's saying that is because he is... He is, he, is, he is looking to where the blessing came. If you look to all those names and research all those names, you're going to find a blessing after each person because a family that prays together stays together. And so now Eli comes out of that environment, okay? Eli. So to understand the prophetic in terms of 2020, it has to be Christ-centered. A person that understands the prophetic will lead many to Christ. So the key is this. Cooperate with the activity of the Holy Spirit and not manufacture the Holy Spirit activity. Cooperate and, know and do not manufacture. Meaning, what do you mean by it? When you look at the ministry of Paul, you're going to find a man that was deeply involved in personal ministry. Everywhere you read from Paul, the book of Romans, first and second Timothy, first Corinthians, second Corinthians, you're going to find a man that was deeply involved in discipleship of others. The book of Romans is the greatest expression of discipleship from a person that did not meet Jesus personally. Physically, he met him in the road of Damascus uh, 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 with an experience that changed his life. A persecutor of the gospel turned out to be the greatest theologian uh, uh, of the New Testament. Now, what made Paul effective is that he understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What am I saying? You see, when you do not understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you manufacture activity of the Spirit. You don't, in no shape or form, cooperate with it. I have a man, a pastor, look to me and says, you speak in tongues. That's of the devil. Now, he, she and he are not with us anymore. I don't believe you can curse the Holy Spirit and live. I do not believe you can curse the Holy Spirit and live. And when, and when they pointed to me telling me I had demons, they were cursing the Holy Spirit. Of course, honestly, 
I told him I don't speak in tongues. Uh, I drive a Ford. I'm not charismatic. I mean, it's an incident that happened to me. So the key here is to cooperate. But if you have no understanding how the Holy Spirit oper- operates, how can you cooperate? How can you cooperate with the Holy Spirit when you don't understand how the Holy Spirit operates and expresses itself? Expresses himself. How, how can you cooperate with the ministry of the Holy Spirit when you do not recognize how the Holy Spirit... And that's a, that's a big problem. I don't care if you're a pastor of a large church, small church. Nobody changes. There's no conviction without the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of activity, a lot of meals, a lot of friendship, a lot of everything, a lot of a lot of, uh, of, of, of community and involvement with each other and, and, and friends and, and, and chips and cheese and hamburgers and, and meals together. But there's no change. So you have to understand that. You have to understand how the Holy Spirit ministers. Because if you don't, then then you won't recognize Him. You know, I went to preach in a place close by. And eight people came to Christ. But one was under unbelievable conviction. So this man cried the whole time that I preached. When I made the invitation, he ran forward. Now, I went, I went down to the front, and I prayed with him only. Why did I pray with the other? Because he was the worst in need. And I told him that today you have found Christ. Now, then I addressed the other. But this was the first. So let me give you uh, 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 what I'm going to preach tomorrow. Is the ten keys of healthy prophetic life. Ten keys of the healthy prophetic life. And I just began to look at what's happened to me. How 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 I told you the roadblocks already. Now I'm gonna tell you about the healthy keys to be involved in revelation from God for the life of others. Amen. I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that you're listening to me, and I hope that uh, I'll see you tomorrow right here in this channel, lotterain.com, rbm at lotterain.com. So the website is lotterain. How do you say lotterain? Latte, like the coffee, and then the word rain, r-a-i-n, put it together, dot com. Amen. See you tomorrow.